Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you guys. How are you? How are you? Welcome to Wednesday night <clears throat> Bible study at the mission with Pastor Josh Canales. So thankful that you guys are able to follow along with us. We got a, an awesome word for tonight out of the book of Ephesians chapter 3. It's going to be um, just an awesome, awesome time. Some great questions to ask um, for all of us. Uh, here in the Word of God. Welcome, you guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, thankful that you guys were able to, to join in with us on tonight's Bible study, Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we've been working our way through the Pauline epistles, simply means the letters that Paul wrote to many of his favorite people, different cities and churches and people there in the first century early church. The Apostle Paul, he was uh, he was just an awesome, awesome uh, workhorse for the Lord. I mean, he put in some crazy work, the Apostle Paul did, because he understood how much God loved him. He also understood um, what Jesus did for him in transforming his life, in redeeming his life, converting him from um, a madman, being a, a, a zealot, for for God, um, according to uh, the Jewish customs and laws, and considered the man Jesus Christ a crazy man, a lunatic, thought that the revolution that Jesus was leading was um, uh, a sect, kind of like a cult. Um, Paul, he made it his life's mission to make um, people's lives a living hell. Um, that um, had committed themselves to, to this man named Jesus of Nazareth until God got a hold of Paul. You know anybody in your life that you just thought, you know what, this person would never give their life to God. This person, oh man, they're the worst of sinners. Uh, is there anybody in your life that when, when you think about, oh man, the impossibilities or you think of, Somebody that would just uh, be a hard, hard uh, nut to crack. Um, but guess what? That was Paul. That, his name was Saul at that time. But Jesus got a hold of Saul, turned his life around radically, um, transformed uh, Saul's life, and gave him a new heart, replaced uh, Saul's heart of stone, with the heart of flesh. That's what Jesus did for Paul. That's what Jesus has done for me. That's what Jesus has done for you. It doesn't matter whether we think we're a good person or not. God has taken a heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. And that's what he did in the life of Paul. Um, we're going to read in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. That's Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, um, a Mediterranean uh coastal city uh, that that Paul was was writing to and speaking to. He was one of their spiritual fathers. He helped found that church and establish it, teaching them doctrine and theology and the way of Jesus. And then he went on his way, having to communicate through letters to make sure that, that they did not um, uh, be, be led astray. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. After we read the Word of God together, we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into some great Bible teaching tonight. Um, I believe God's given me a great word for you. I believe God has um, given me the message that He wants me to communicate and convey to those who would um, listen, to those who would lend their ears, to those who would uh, bend their heart towards Jesus. So praise God. Um, God bless you guys. And and uh, won't you join with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this, this 14th day of April, the year of our Lord, where you continue to work, Father God. Um, I feel like it's there's been uh, tragedy all around us. I feel like there's been loss, Lord Jesus, and um, and loss of life and, and death that has been surrounding us over the last uh, seven to ten days, Lord Jesus. I've, I've seen it firsthand. And and so, Father, I know that there are a lot of grieving people, Lord, right now. 
I, maybe maybe people that are on the call with us, Father God, are grieving as well. Well, Father, I pray that this word is an encouraging word for them. Lord, I pray that you'd open our minds, that you'd open our, our hearts, and you'd open our spiritual eyes, that we'd see beautiful things in your word today. I thank you, Father God, for allowing me to bring the word of God to your people. I thank you, Father God, and I'm humbled, Lord Jesus, that, that you have um, placed me in this position, Father God, to be a dispenser of love. I thank you, Father God, and I'm, I'm, I'm extremely humbled, Father, that you would allow me, Lord Jesus, to be a messenger of peace, a messenger of love, Father God, and to encourage your people. So, Father, won't you be with us today? Won't the fellowship, Father God, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we have in our presence, Father God, be like a, a wonderful balm, Lord Jesus, to those who are listening. Father, I pray that you would minister healing, Father God, to those who are on the video call tonight. Lord Jesus, I pray anybody who's on Facebook, Father God, and those who watch this message at a later time, that you would minister to their hearts, Father God, just the way you used Paul, Father, to minister to that church of Ephesus, Father, and all those who had a chance to grab a hold of this letter that he wrote, the physical hard copy, that letter, that, that first letter that Paul wrote and penned um, to that papyrus. Father God, I pray that that same encouragement, that's the same spirit that was in him, Father, that was delivered to the people of Ephesus, Father, is the same message that we received tonight. Father, I pray that your power, Lord Jesus, would be with us and that you would um, anoint this time, Lord Jesus, and anoint your your, your minister. Um, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wednesday night Bible study. Um, I'm Josh Canales, and I'm the pastor of the awesome church called Mission Ebenezer Family Church. And so I like to call it the mission for short. Um, if you don't have a home church, we'd like for you to stop by, check it out. Um, go to our website, www.missionebenezer.org, where you can learn about our church. Well, hey, guys, let's go into the Word. <clears throat> for this reason, I, Paul, reading out of Ephesians chapter 3, but I am going to ask that you guys um, just give me just a few minutes of your time while we study the scriptures together, okay? This is our best effort of doing uh, Bible study virtually um, in a digital age, in the middle of a pandemic. And But I believe that it can be a redemptive time that we have in the Word of God. So Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1, he says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. I'm reading from the NIV, the New International Version. Verse 3, excuse me, um, verse 4. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So now Paul is ascribing um, a spiritual authority, um, and, and he is ascribing um, a kind of a sacred and holy calling to the holy apostles and the prophets that have received the inspired word of God at this point in time. Um, Paul says, I, I can't speak to whatever happened in the past, but whatever is happening right now and the way Jesus is unfolding the kingdom of God to the people in that first century, Paul is now speaking to that very thing. And he considers himself one of the holy apostles or prophets of Jesus that the Holy Spirit has gotten a hold of and utilized for the divine purpose of bringing the plan of redemption to the world. And we're going to get to the... We're going to get to the point right here in the letter where Paul then begins to open it up and how he believes the early Christians or the church is a part of that very plan. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're new to the faith or you're still learning you need to know that the Gentile um, is a person who was non-Jewish. It's simply um, common language. It's common speak for um, you know people that wrote in the Bible, like Paul, to speak of Jews and Gentiles. And so a Gentile was simply anybody who was not a Jew. It's Paul speaking from uh, his 
first person. And he himself was a Jew, but he was a, a, a Messianic Jew, which means he believed in Jesus as a Jew himself who did not formally believe in Jesus. He now makes um, makes it plain that he is a, a believer in Jesus Christ. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power, God's power. Although I am less than um, the least of all God's people, um, Paul expressing himself in, through humility, but, um, you know, uh, in this modesty that Paul is trying to communicate right here, I think is a little overdone, although he really truly does believe that he's, he is a sinner. He is the chief sinner. Paul does believe that. And, and we have to make sure that we all know that and understand that as well, that none of us are better than the others. He says, I was the least of all God's people. This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. It's the second time that we read this word called administration, right? It's a very commonly used word and term in the 21st century. We understand what administration is. It's the NIV's translation of the word oikonomia. Oikonomia. We're going to come back to that word oikonomia in just a little bit. All right. It says, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent, verse 10, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Can you please underline that? Freedom and confidence. Those are two very important words. Freedom and confidence. Verse 13, he says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. And then in verses 14 through 21, Paul incorporates and writes a prayer of, of faith, a prayer that is an authoritative prayer over the church at Ephesus. It's almost like he takes a moment from what he was teaching them and talking to them about, and then he, and he says, by the way, let's pray right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus. And then after he finishes praying, he says, okay, now back to what we were talking about. I love that. I love that. That's a stylistic thing about Paul, but also it shows us that he was being led by the Holy Spirit and that God was using him in a mighty way, giving him the very same authority that we, we've read about um, in Jesus in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four first books that we find in the New Testament. Not necessarily chronologically the first four books, but the first four books when we leave the Old Testament in this 66 books of, of life that God has given to us, which we call the Holy Bible. And so let's go ahead and read this prayer um, of commission and blessing that he leaves for the church at Ephesus. Because we're going to end in this with this prayer at the end of tonight's Bible study. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Wow, that's great. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, yes, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever 
and ever. Amen. I believe that was the end of um, a segment of the letter to the church at Ephesus that Paul was probably writing um, in one one uh, sitting. And then probably Paul came to the end of his dictation. There was probably a scribe that was um, there writing or, or taking notes, following along um, while Paul was, was speaking, um, making it possible, possible for Paul to be able to communicate clearly what God was placing in his heart. I want you guys to know that in the early church, the first century, the book of Ephesus was one of the most widely um, distributed books of Paul. It was one of the, the first um, of its kind um, in the, the age of the church that was most widely distributed. The book of uh, Ephesians wasn't just a book that went to the church at Ephesus. It was Paul's treatise or way of communicating these very, very important biblical and theological truths. Biblical meaning um, beliefs that were in the, the uh, embedded into the very Word of God, and then theological just meaning the very heart and mind of God that Paul believed the Holy Spirit was giving him to communicate to the people that he was reaching. And so the book of Ephesians, once it was written and it was com uh, compiled and brought together, was distributed and sent to many churches, not just in Ephesus, but all throughout the Mediterranean region. You're going to hear me use that language, Mediterranean, a whole lot. We, so we just read the whole, the whole chapter 3 of, the, um, of Ephesians, and I wanted to now couch what I'm going to say by um, introducing a thought. Um, and this thought that I picked up on is something that is not so, um, it's not so uh, blatant. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's, it's kind of subtle. Um, I don't think Paul emphasizes this stylistic approach of what he is doing while he writes, but I do believe that it comes through in his writing because Paul has a way of referring to himself in such a way that helps us to understand how he thought about himself and how he thought that the early church and all believers or Christians at that time should also be thinking about themselves in light of Christ. So, what I picked up on here in chapter 3 that I want to discuss with us tonight is the fact that Paul uses uh, several adjectives or descriptors to, ex to express or explain who he believes he is. The first one that I want to talk about is Paul, the prisoner of Christ. So that's number one, Paul, the prisoner of Christ. Number two, Paul says in verse two, he says, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery um, made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. And so when Paul says it, it is you have heard about the administration of God's grace. I want to say, I want to, um, I want to introduce this to us for the process of learning as Paul, an administrator of God's grace. So the first is Paul, the prisoner of Christ. Secondly is Paul, the administrator of God's grace or the grace of God. He's an administrator of it. All right. And we're going to talk about what that means, administrator. Thirdly, Paul, a deacon of the gospel. Paul, a deacon. Okay, so that we, we have Paul the prisoner. We have Paul the administrator. We have Paul the deacon. And fourthly, we have Paul the churchman. Paul the churchman. All right, so let's review that. Okay, what was number one? Um, so, hey, if you guys are following along tonight with me, uh, the first, the first, um, Description of Paul is Paul what? The prisoner of Christ. Number two is what? Paul the administrator of God's grace. Thirdly, it's Paul the deacon. All right. And fourthly, it's Paul the churchman. 
Now, we, there are a whole lot of other names of Paul that we could probably look look at in all of his books. But because the Lord has given us Ephesians chapter 3 to study today, I think it's sufficient for us to um, focus on the what Paul calls himself and ways that he expresses himself. <clears throat> so those are the four the four titles that Paul gives himself in Ephesians chapter 3. And I think this is very significant for us because you guys check this out. You and I also have titles or um, different roles, you guys, that we have in life, right? You may be a mother. Maybe you're a father. Maybe you're a, um, a health worker. Maybe you're a teacher or a coach. Maybe you're an athlete. All right. Maybe you're you're young. Maybe you're old. All right. So there's different stations that we have in life, different roles that we that we play and that we fulfill in society in life. And Paul is doing his best to to express to those that are in Ephesus the different things that he does and the different types of roles that he believes God has assigned him to. Now, I want you to write that word down, assignment, assignment, okay? Because it's very important that we spiritually understand what our assignment is. Maybe you're 70 years old. Maybe you're 30 years old. Maybe you're a teenager and you're trying to figure out God's assignment for your life. Well, did you know that our assignment changes with the course of 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 life that we take? Did you know that our our assignments change from time to time based on our station in life? And that's exactly what was going on in the life of Paul. And Paul wasn't afraid to identify himself with some of those things. Paul was not afraid to call himself here in Ephesians 3 verse 1, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul was writing from prison in the city of Rome. He was a prisoner for Jesus Christ. He wasn't just a prisoner. He was a prisoner because of his faith. He was thrown in jail because he was speaking out on behalf of Jesus Christ, and he was being persecuted because of his faith. People were hating on him. People were looking for reasons and ways to... to Try and, and shut Paul's mouth. They were trying to get rid of Paul. They were plotting against Paul. They were planning to kill him. So many times, um, certain plans were thwarted um, that were made to try and snuff out his life. But no, God protected Paul until his time was was come for God to allow Paul to to experience his his um, his greatest. Uh, and fulfilled uh, calling, which was to become a martyr also for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul gave his life because of what he believed in Jesus. And right here we see that Paul um, was a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles. Paul, who was a Jew, could have very well said, you know what, I'm just going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and try to reach all the Jews, because I come from the Jewish people. But guess what? God had expressed to Paul that he was his servant. He was his doulos, his slave. And that his assignment was to go to the Gentiles, the non-Jew, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which is to say that God has, has sent his son Jesus to take on the sin of the world so that we would be able to have a restored or reconciled life with Father God, our Creator. Man, what a powerful, powerful thing um, that, that Paul understood and that he was going to leave his people and go to another people for the purposes of bringing them the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I call love. Um, that's what I call love. And so, so watch this. So Paul's writing from prison. 
right, in Rome. And, you know, some of us have friends, family in jail. You know, how many of you guys got friends and family in jail? Any of you guys? Because Paul was in prison. And I'm not saying our loved ones were are in prison because of Jesus Christ. But guess what? God can get a hold of anybody while they're in prison. The point I want to make um, about Paul, the, the prisoner, was that um, while he was there in Rome, Paul had a number of people that were still supporting him in his missionary journeys. Paul was a missionary. And his life was a life on mission. Paul was a life on mission. He believed that God had called him to go, to, to, to go to the world. And that's why Paul could not sit still. He had to keep going and moving on behalf of all of those that God had called him to reach. So he was thrown in prison because of his faith and his belief in Jesus. And while he was in prison... Guess what? He had access to very wealthy friends who were bringing Paul writing implements so that he could write these letters. Well, check this out, you guys. Paul was writing from prison. And, 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 and imagine this. It wasn't like what our what what um, people in jail have access to today, because it was really, really, really expensive to to be able to write. Back in those days, I mean, the parchment paper that they used, or some people call it papyrus. Um, uh, I know it as parchment paper. It was really expensive. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars, probably comparatively, maybe even thousands of dollars, um, depending on how much or the, the quantity of the parchment paper that they were able to, to have access to. Not to mention the writing implements that they utilized or the, the ink uh, writing implements that they would use to um, write on the parchment paper. It was a huge process, you guys. It wasn't like just, you know, pulling out a sheet of paper. We have technology, you guys. Um, we have machines that do all that for us. But back then, it wasn't that way. Paper was hard to come by. So guess what? You have to know that the Apostle Paul had a whole lot of people that were still funding his ministry. They were supporting Paul's ministry. They were sending him money while he was in jail. All right. And, and the money that would come in and that would be brought to him would be used to buy this parchment paper that Paul needed in order to write. Now, I don't know if Paul did the writing himself or he or if he found people that were there in prison or if he was able to pay for people to come in while he was there in Rome. Um, he might have been staying at a at a private um, at a private uh, prison uh, cell with with um, with a guard that was assigned just to Paul himself outside of his apartment or his room. It was like high security. Um, so you guys all know, man, what it's like for people to be riding back and forth in prison. And, and Paul was in prison because of what he believed in Jesus, right? And talk about being unfair. Uh, nonetheless, Paul embraced it. Paul embraced this fact or his position that he was in, this place or station that he was in. And he wanted to utilize his testimony his place, and the time that he had for the Lord. I think that's great. Don't you? Don't you think that's cool that Paul wasn't just there licking his wounds, feeling sorry for himself? Don't you think that the Apostle Paul said, you know what, I might as well make good use of the time that I have right here in prison. And he began to pen these letters or these epistles to the people that were a part of the early church. That is so awesome. Um, and so <clears throat> I thank God for that. So that, that for me, that speaks to the confidence that you and I have to have about our position in life. Are you still at work or are you retired? Have you found yet what God is calling you to so that you can be utilized in the kingdom of God in the best possible way in full potential, using your full potential and your 
special assignment that God has for you. I remember when I retired from baseball back in 2003, it was a very difficult thing to come to grips with the fact that I was no longer a professional athlete. I was now a former <laughs> baseball player. I was now a former professional, right? Um, you know, it was a, it was kind of a cool thing, man, when I was playing pro ball and people would come and ask for my autograph. I'd be, you know, coming out of a, a game playing for the Dodgers or the Astros or when I was playing in college and youngsters or people sending me baseball cards, my own baseball cards to sign. Man, it's so cool. But now guess what? When I retired from baseball, it was like, you're no longer a professional athlete. That part of your life is done. It is behind me. And so I had to embrace my station in life that I was moving into the next chapter of my life, right? And the, the point that I'm trying to make here is that Paul had embraced his place and station at that moment as a prisoner, right? As a matter of pride, Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, and then he goes dot, dot, dot. So he's identifying himself with other prisoners. Okay? He doesn't go into um, other details right here, but he says he's a prisoner. All right? Um, so... What I want to say, the next thing I want to say about this first point of Paul the prisoner is this. We can't get so caught up into who we, what we do, like our jobs. We can't get so caught up in some of the other roles that we have in life. Because the most important thing that we need to do is identify with who we are in Christ Jesus first. Right? Um, I am Josh Canales follower of Jesus Christ, and I happen to be a husband, I happen to be a dad, I happen to be a pastor, right? But those are not my primary um, identifiers. No, they're not. My primary identifier, because of the grace of God, is that I am a Christian, that I'm a Christ follower, that uh, I'm a Christian, plain and simple. And that I choose to follow Jesus with my life. And my identity begins right there. My identity begins in Christ. And so it's from that point that I believe Paul was able to continue to allow God to use him at every chapter of his life. No matter where he went, no matter what he was doing, God was using Paul, once he surrendered to Jesus. Have you surrendered to Jesus? Have you surrendered to the fact that you are a follower of Jesus Christ? And if so, if, if you are an, a follower of Jesus Christ, what does your life look like? And what is your assignment? Because now we then, now we then discover and we identify and we, we can define what we do are you a carpenter? Are you a, a school teacher? Are you a, a noon aide? Are you a lawyer? Are you a homemaker? Do you stay at home? Are you a wife? Are you a husband? And in doing that, guess what? Then we can express ourselves through, through Christ Jesus in those relationships, but also in those roles that we, we serve, those roles that we fulfill, those roles that we fill in the world. Um, Praise God. I hope you're enjoying this, this message tonight. Um, we're going to now move on to point number two. Paul, an administrator of God's grace. Okay? Paul, an administrator of God's grace. Look what it says in verse two. He said, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. So you're like, where do you get that word from, pastor, that word administrator? Well, Paul is saying that he has been he has been called to be a part of the administration of God's grace. 
And administration means that we you facilitate. Um, administrate comes from the Latin words ad, and then um, and then we the the word minister, all right, or administer. It means to handle something, all right, to handle something, to place your hands upon something. The Ministry of Defense, right? The Prime Minister of Great Britain, right, is um, uh, Boris. I can't remember his last name. You guys know what I'm talking about. Well, the administration, administration, simply is speaking to the fact that if somebody is placed in a position of authority for the purposes of, of managing, um, uh, organizing, or leading a particular cause, particular group, organization, so on and so forth. So Paul says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. So Paul's saying, it's my job to administer grace unto you. And who's, who is you right here in, in verse 2, if it isn't the Gentiles? So Paul is speaking to the Gentiles that were there in Ephesus. It was probably a Gentile rich people that have received the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and Paul wanted to build them up in the faith and remind them that they are no less than the Jews um, in light of them receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ at this point in time in history. Okay, so he says he is an administrator of God's grace. What is an administrator? I wrote down some words. An administrator is like an agent, right? An administrator is like um, an, uh, an, an ambassador. Okay, um, and the Greek word here in Ephesians chapter three for administration is oikonomia. All right, the transliteration spelling of it is O I K O N O M I A. Oikonomia. It kind of sounds like the word economy, doesn't it? Yeah. You want to know why? Because the word oikonomia is the household rules. It's the law of the house. That's with oikonomia, because the word oikos comes from the word for house in Greek, oikos. Oikos means house. Um, you ever eat that Greek yogurt called oikos? Yeah, you probably bought some at Costco. You probably bought oikos, and you see a little picture of a little um, of, a, of a house of a, a first century uh, Greco-Roman house right there on the yogurt um, bowl, right? Or the little plastic yogurt cup. Well, that's oikos or oikos, which means house, okay? Now, oikonomia is oiko, and then the word nomia, all right? Nomia comes from the Greek word nomos, Okay. So nomos is spelled N-O-M-O-S. Nomos, nomos. No, I'm just messing with you. Nomos. And namas or nomos is the Greek word for law. L-A-W, law. So oiko, which is house. And then nomos means it's the law of the house, right? So an administrator or the administration is the way things run. The way things are ruled, right? It's the rules and regulations and the laws and the policies that are in place in order to create structure and soundness of organization. So what Paul is saying, he's like, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I'm here behind bars. But guess what? Let me set the record straight and make sure you have a document in hand that is going to help you in your Christian faith, that's going to help you practically understand who God is and what God did and what he expects you to do now because of your faith in Jesus Christ, God himself. Let me break it down for you again. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ who is behind bars, can't be with the church at Ephesus or all the Christians around the regions or the missionary uh, locations or locales that he visited in the past. He wants to make sure that they have a rule 
a law that they can follow that's going to keep their mind, their heart, their eyes, their ears, their mouth, their whole life on track with Jesus Christ. And that's called the Bible. The Bible is our rule. The Bible is our canon, the standard. The Bible is the, the standard or the canon by which God directs his people to obedience or through obedience. So we walk with Jesus by obedience. And we have the word of God, which keeps us on track. It keeps us on track according to the administration of the word of God. So Paul was an administrator of the word of God. Paul was somebody who was raising people up. Paul was encouraging people. Paul was blessing people. Hallelujah. Paul wanted to make sure that people were walking with Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Some good stuff right here. Okay, hey, the the next thing that we see right here um, is that Paul, as an administrator or, or somebody who, watch this, speaks boldly on behalf of the Lord is because he is a representative of God. He's an ambassador of God. He is an agent of Jesus Christ. That's who Paul is. And he believes it. And he knows it because God told him so. And so we see here that Paul speaks on behalf of the Lord. Just as Jesus spoke, when Jesus taught, when Jesus preached, when Jesus healed, okay, Jesus spoke with authority. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29, it says that Jesus begins to, to teach the people about the foolish and the wise builders. It's where we get that song, the wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And when the wall, the rains came down, his house stood firm. The song goes, the foolish man built his house upon the sand, right? Well, Jesus is telling that story in Matthew chapter 27 verses, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27 um, of the foolish man who builds his house on sand, which is not faith in God. And the, the wise man who builds his house upon the rock, which is the man or the woman that builds their house upon a faith in Jesus Christ. And then in verses 28 and 29, it, sa it says that people were standing, listening to Jesus as he spoke. And this is what they said about Jesus. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So watch this. Paul used to be a teacher of the law of Moses, and he was killing Christians, and he was doing it with authority, but he was doing it not with heavenly authority. He was doing it under the authority of man, under the authority of the law. Well, now God has made Paul an administrator of God's grace. So in other words, the new law or the new administration that Paul was to give to the people of God was an administration of God's grace. And you guys know, want to know what that administration of God's grace is? It's the love of Jesus, and that's eternal life. That's, that's what we call salvation. So Paul was an administrator of salvation. He's like, my job is to preach Jesus and administer Jesus. Isn't that cool? So he's administrating Jesus. He is organizing Jesus. Paul was building the office and the house of God through the name of Jesus Christ. And he wanted to make sure that while he was in prison, he put pen to paper, so to speak, feather to parchment paper, and communicate the love of God for both the Jew and the Gentile. Oh man, this stuff is getting good, and we're running out of time. All right, let me move along. So this is um, related to point number two. Paul took the affairs of God very serious, seriously. Paul believed that he was 
an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul was an apostle of God, a holy apostle, as he speaks of here in, in verse 5 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. He says, which was not made known to men in other generations, talking about in the past, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus promised, Jesus promised the Comforter. Um, we read in Luke chapter 24, right? Verse 49 and following, Jesus promised the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And then in the book of Acts, the first chapter, it says that the Holy Spirit came, baptized all of those who were in the upper room there in Jerusalem, who were waiting and ex expecting um, uh, the, the outpouring of God upon their lives while they were having a church service, you guys, and they were sharing and they were testifying and they were um, having such a wonderful time. And then the Holy Spirit just fell and baptized them um, with the speaking of tongues and filled their life. And so Paul is now giving credit to the Spirit of God through his holy apostles and prophets. And Paul refers to himself as one of those holy apostles. Holy means um, either set apart or belonging to God. So it's a, an apostle who belonged to God and who was set apart uh, for the purpose of God's work. Let's continue. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you speak with authority on behalf of Christ to others? Or do you hold back? Or do we shy away? Because I want for us to pray and think about finding our voice, finding our our inner man, our inner woman, all right? My, for me, inner man, for you, maybe inner woman. Finding that person and finding your voice and being able to speak with boldness and authority on behalf of God to those who you come across on a daily basis, your neighbors. Don't be afraid to say, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, do you know when somebody says, oh, I haven't been feeling good, say, hey, God is going to lift you up. God's going to deliver you. God's going to heal you. God's going to change your situation and begin to speak boldly. You don't have to start off by asking, hey, do you believe in God? Hey, you know, do you go to church? Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? Isn't that kind of awkward sometimes when you start off with, with those kind of questions? Hey, can I talk to you about God? Don't ask somebody, hey, can I talk to you about God? Man, heck no, man. Don't give them the opportunity to answer yes or no. You're giving them too much credit. You're being too politically correct. Don't give me all that, that, that bogus stuff. Don't ask people, hey, can I talk to you about God? Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? Man, when they start complaining to you about their life, when they start complaining about how sick they are or how messed up their situation is, just butt in and say, hey, you know what? I bind that and rebuke that in the name of Jesus and God's going to change your situation. Because you need to know that, number one, you're a prisoner for Jesus Christ and you will be persecuted because of your faith in Jesus and because of how much you love him. Number two, you're, ad you're an administrator of the, the grace of God. You are one who administers the grace of God to all people. So you need to then step in to every conversation with your neighbors, on your walk, on a situation, somebody yelling something out, you know, out there in, in, in public or on the street. Maybe you see an altercation. God has given you the, the right to be able to step in and to bring peace at that moment right now to that storm. And speak on behalf of Jesus, just like Paul. Paul knew who he was. He says, I'm a prisoner for Jesus. He wasn't ashamed to say it. He's like, I'm an, I'm an administrator of the grace of God that God has called me to you as a people. So God is calling you to be an agent of Jesus to the world. God's calling you to be an ambassador of Jesus Christ. An ambassador is somebody who represents someone. That means you get to speak with authority. Have you ever went to the movie theater and, man, it kind of it kind of bugged you that the people at the movie theater, the security guards, they they take they took their job way too seriously. Or you ever gone to a football game or a sports game and how security man they don't even have a gun, they don't have a taser, no laser, no nothing. But man, they take their job so seriously and they have that like they got that whistle. You know what I'm saying? Because guess what? They have been deputized. They have been given a job 
and they have been given authority that was ascribed to them by somebody higher than them, a supervisor that says, you have a job and your job is to secure this place. You have a job and your job is to X, Y, Z. Well, guess what? You got a job and I got a job and somebody, our supervisor, somebody in a higher position has put you in a position to go and be an administrator of the grace of God to those who are in the world who need grace. There's a whole lot of people that are out of thank yous. There's a whole lot of people that are out of I'm sorry. There's a whole lot of people that are out of kindness. They are, they are fresh out of, of courtesy. It's just like toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic, fresh out. It's just like sanitizer, right? All those home goods that you were trying to get that were all sold out. Well, guess what? Some people are fresh out of whatever it is that you think that they need to have. And sometimes they, you just need to step in and administer the grace of God into their lives. You know what that means? That you be patient with them. You know what that means? That you look at them through the lens of Jesus Christ. That you don't get caught up in the flesh. That you don't yell, cuss back, flip them off, cut them back off on the highway or the freeway. That you don't yell and scream when somebody makes a mistake when you're driving. Because guess what? You might be the one that made the mistake. But they may be the one that comes and cuts you out and flips you off. But guess what? You need to be an administrator of the grace of God. Ignore it. You need to be above reproach as a Christian. Paul's like, he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ because of what he believes. And we can't hold our tongue for a second. We can't hold ourselves from letting somebody know what time it is when they cross us or offend us. Y'all know what I'm talking about, man. I'm just telling the truth. Tell the truth, shame the devil. And I'm running out of time. But man, I still got some good stuff, y'all. I still got some good stuff. All right, let me move on from that one. Uh, the, The next point was this. Paul the deacon. Paul the deacon. In my book, It says right here, verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So let me break it down for you because the NIV doesn't do a very good job of translating what Paul wrote in Greek. But it actually says, I became a worker of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So in other words, the word for worker is the word in Greek, deacon, deacon, D-E-A-C-O-N. I want you to write that word down, deacon. What is a deacon? Um, In Greek, we see that it's the word diakonos, diakonos. And diakonos, like I said, um, it's where we get the word deacon, diako, okay, So a deacon is a worker or a servant, but servant is not a good translation right here that we, that for me, I'm reading out of the NIV and it's not a good translation. Paul's not saying, and I am a servant. No, he's like, I'm a worker. I'm a worker. I put in work. My job is to work. I got a job and my job is to get it done. So he's a deacon. Okay. He says, I'm a deacon of the gospel. By the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So in other words, he says, it's by the power of Jesus Christ that has been given to me to do a job. Every day we got to get up. We got to ask God, give me the strength that I need to do the job that you have called me to do today. Give me the give me the strength. Give me the strength, Father God, to do my job. You got a job for Jesus. You got a job for God. He's got an assignment for you and no excuses. Oh, my back. Oh, my, my, I got a headache. Oh, oh, my knee. Oh, but I can't. Oh, but um, my, my pinky toe. Man, we got to stop complaining and stop being so soft, people of God. We got to stop being so soft. We got to stop complaining. We got to stop making excuses about why we can't serve God, why we can't be on our J-O-B for the Lord. Paul says right here, I am a a worker. I'm a deacon. A deacon is somebody who does the work of God. Now, in the church, a deacon is defined as somebody who does the work of God at the church, at the house of God. It's somebody who opens the doors and shuts the doors. It's somebody who comes in and, and 
cleans the sanctuary. It's somebody who helps with the work of the ministry. That's what a deacon is. A deacon is somebody that took on the, the responsibility of the ministry of God through the church as if it was their very own. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the preacher's job. It's not the, the apostle. It's not the, the prophet. No, the deacon was somebody who said, I want to be a part of God's workforce, and I want to be a part of doing some damage in the world. That's what a worker does. It's a worker is somebody who does damage for the Lord in the world, and he does it through the church. You're like, whoa, yes, the church. Because look what Paul says right here. Verse 10. He says, his intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So he's talking about the church right here. He's talking about the ecclesia, the ecclesia. The ecclesia was the gathering of the people of God, the church, or I like to also call the church the body of Christ. And that's why we get to our, our fourth point is that Paul, the churchman, was someone who was working on behalf of the church. He wasn't just somebody that was out there doing missionary work because missionaries are actually people that are building up the church. They're building up the body of Christ. So the body of Christ is actually Christ himself. If, if the body, watch this, and here's my head, all right, and it's a part of my body. But guess what? The body is, Josh's body is Josh. This hand, this is my hand. That's Josh's hand. This is Josh's head. This is Josh's, thor you know, thorax, whatever you want to call it, my torso. So guess what? The body of Christ, which is the church, is Jesus himself. And so Paul is making it very, very clear that he is a representative of Jesus to the world, and he believes that the church is the middleman. Here's God in heaven, and here's earth. Here's the world, and here's God in heaven. The church, which is the people that are here on earth, that believe in Jesus Christ and put their faith in Jesus Christ, guess what? It's their job to bring the love of, of God, the love of heaven, to the rest of the world, to the people all around the globe, all around the planet, to the people all around the church's job. Who's the church? Who's the body of Christ? Christ. So guess what? We, the church, are Christ here on earth. It's an arboreal equation. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. The cross represents the vertical relationship between heaven and earth. And the horizontal is the relationship that the church has with one another, that we, the body of Christ, has with one another. And so God sent his son, Jesus. He's some, sometimes we'll, we may be a prisoner. Sometimes you may be an administrator. Sometimes you may be a deacon, a worker. Sometimes you may be a churchman, somebody who believes in the full bodily expression of Jesus Christ, which is the church. And it's why the church is so significant and so important. That's why we got to go to church. That's why we, we got to get back to church. We need to be plugged into church. We're, we're fallible, we're imperfect, we're, uh, we fall short, okay? We fall short, but it's God's plan for redemption. We are in the, the age of the church. Jesus gave us the church. He built the church through the Holy Spirit. We're here 2,000 years later. We're still preaching, we're teaching. We're healing in the name of Jesus, and God wants you to speak with authority. God wants you to operate in authority in the world. Don't be passive. Don't be passive in the world. Be on fire for Jesus. We got nothing to lose. Time is short. 
We ain't going to be here on earth forever. Every day of our lives, we need to be living for Jesus. Number one, embrace your station and your place in life. Paul was a prisoner. I don't know what you do. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you live, but God wants to use you right there, wherever you are. Embrace it so you can find your voice and find your assignment that he's called you to. You're an administrator. God has given you the authority to enact every single thing according to the word of God in the world. That means living out first and foremost through obedience and then by example and then with our mouth. Thirdly, Paul the deacon was a power broker. He was a worker on behalf of God. Um, who was brokering the power from heaven um, through how he lived, through what he did. And uh, man, he was used mightily for the Lord and God wants to use you mightily as well. And lastly, Paul the churchman. He was a churchman. He believed in the church. I don't want you guys to stop believing in God's plan for his church. People say after, after the pandemic, people are going to stop going to church. It's not the case. It is not the case. Not if you can help it. Not if I can help it. Not on my watch. Not on my watch. Until Jesus tells me otherwise. Through his word or through revelation. I believe that God has called us the church which are Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, to reach the world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that he, he loves and that he forgives and that he restores and that he, he equips and that he sends us out into the world. So everybody, I love you, man. I had so much more. <laughs> uh, I had so much more in the study tonight, but I had such a great time. I want to thank you for, for hanging with me. Um, and for being a part of tonight's message, God bless you. Um, but I, I do want to I do want to um, read Ephesians chapter three, verses twenty four, excuse me, verses fourteen through um, twenty one over us as we close, and um, and then I'll direct any of you if you're finding this message for the very first time. Maybe you've never heard anything about the Word of God about Jesus. Um, I want to make sure that you can make a decision for Jesus and I'll point you in that direction. Let's pray. You guys just stop right there where you're, what you're doing, unless you're driving. Um, open your hands just like this. Let me pray this prayer of, of authority and power over your life. This is what God intends for you. This is what Paul intended for the church at Ephesus. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name, Abba. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, your esoanthropos, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If today's message moved you and it blessed your heart, I pray that you share this message with somebody. If you're receiving this message, the message of love and salvation through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
who 2,000 years ago came from heaven to this earth to die for your sins and mine, for our iniquities, for our faults, our shortcomings, for our wrongs. Um, and then God wants to offer you eternal life, which means the forgiveness of your sins. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. The people of God might become the righteousness of God. Um, and that is uh, made possible by Jesus. And so God loves you and God loves me. And he sees us through the eyes of his son, Jesus. And so if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, we invite you to say this prayer that I'll pray with you right now and that you invite Jesus to come into your life. Ask God to forgive you of your sin um, and make every effort to allow the Holy Spirit to change your life. You don't have to change your life on your own. The Holy Spirit will do it. You just got to let him. You have to surrender the reins. You have to turn over the will to God and he will do it. He will transform your life just like he transformed mine and millions and millions of others who have um, walked this path before us. So congratulations on um, inviting Jesus to come into your life. Let's pray right now. Father, we thank you for today. We we ask that you would come into um, the heart, Lord Jesus, of, of, of him or her who is um, asking you, Lord Jesus, to forgive them of their sins. Father, we pray that you would um, make their heart your home. Lord Jesus, that you'd give them a new life and that you give them a new purpose. Father, that you'd help them to walk in the light. Father, that you'd help them to recognize their assignment in this world, Father, their identity and their purpose. Too many people, Father God, are, are taking their own lives, Lord Jesus, because they don't understand their identity and their purpose to Christ Jesus. But Father God, let us share the purpose of Jesus and the purpose of God's love for the world with all who we, whom we encounter. We thank you, Father, for today. We pray this in Jesus' name. If you've made that decision, I would like for you to go to our website. And our website is uh, www.missionebenezer.org. Uh, That's e um, m i s s i o n e b e n e z e r dot org, and you can uh, fill out the connect form there on our website. Okay, and click on the box that lets us know you're making a decision for Jesus, committing your life to the Lord, or you're recommitting your life to Jesus, so that we can get in contact with you. We will send you a new believers packet. We'll send you some more information about the church and how you can get plugged in to our new members class. And then you can then begin your growth track of discipleship with Jesus. Jesus called 12 disciples to walk with him for three years. And he led hundreds of other disciples and taught them the way of the master. And it was the way of the master that changed their life, their world, and the world to come. And here we are, 2,000 years later, still talking about the goodness of God and the work that he did for us. So until next time, you guys, I love you. I don't want to go, but I know I got to. Um, I love you, and uh, we'll see you soon. God bless.